0: Hello and welcome to Carried Away. I'm your host, Carrie Murray. As the founder of the Bra Network, the Business Relationship Alliance, I have met some of the most inspiring women working as entrepreneurs, freelancers, founders, executives, and creatives. And I want to share their stories with you. So let's get carried away. A new buzzword that's been going around in the entrepreneurial scene is thought leadership. Luckily, I'm joined today with Eva Janata, who's going to be talking about how women can position themselves into leadership's roles that defy the status quo, that amplify their influence and expand their wealth. This is the kind of topic I like to dive into. So let's get Carried Away. Welcome to Carried Away. I am your host, Carrie Murray. Joining me today is the fantastic, fabulous, I forget how I met her an email introduction. Um, Eva Jonita, thought leader, ship strategist, and advisor. Such a cool title. Did you make that up yourself? Yes. I love it. I love thank it. Welcome. <laughs> thank you
1: very much, Carrie. It's good
0: to be here. Good. Um, I forget how we met. Was it through Bailey? I think yes, Bailey it was Yes. Bailey knows everyone. You know how people say six degrees separate you with Bailey. It's actually four. So (laughs) check out her podcast. I think it was like episode three was Bailey was my guest, but anyways, I want to, I'm excited about your topic, how women can use thought leadership to defy the status quo and to amplify their influence. So I'm dying to know when you were 10 years old and someone asked you what you wanted to be when you grow up, did you say I'm going to help women be a thought leader? I most certainly didn't. <laughs> yeah, It's, it, that's an
1: interesting question like, you know, often on podcast interviews I'll be asked like, so how did you get where you are today? And it's I love telling different stories, but I've not been asked the when you were a little kid, what did you think before? Yeah. So I'm glad you put it that way. And I was just chatting about this yesterday. I had a coaching call with, um, a, a Gallup strengths finders coach. She was helping me understand my strengths. And she started by asking me, you know, kind of like to tell the Eva Janata story. So, um, the truth is that when I was young, you know, I was homeschooled first through eighth grade. And so my mom, uh, her full-time position was homeschooling me and my siblings. And we had a community of other families that homeschooled their children. So I didn't, I wasn't really exposed to many women professionals when I was young. Okay. And when I was young, I always just felt certain that I was, wanted to be a mom when I grew up and I'm still open to that, but I definitely didn't have like a specific career aspiration.
0: Hmm. That is, so what did you, out of curiosity, what did you want to be when you grew up? You just wanted to be a mom. Did I you... just,
1: that's all I remember is just like, Feeling certain that I would be a parent when I grew up and not, I don't remember ever having like a phase of like, I want to be a firefighter or a ballerina or a doctor or any other kind of like the usual suspects professions that children
0: are familiar with an astronaut. Like I don't remember going through any of that. You know, what's funny is I read this article. It's not funny. It's actually kind of sad. I read this article recently that, uh, the average answer for a 10 year old, if you ask them today, what they want to be when they grow up and they most likely will say famous, they, no, they don't no. say, I want to be an athlete and become famous, or I want to be an actor. They say famous. I want to be famous. And I was like, what? <laughs>
1: mm, so, yeah. Did the Yeah. Like, <laughs> have some uh,
0: ideas of why that might be like, I'm thinking immediately social media, but I don't know. Social media. Yeah. Um, and that they were saying that the article is all about, you know, when do you give your phone, a phone to a, a child? Um, and I have a middle schooler and a 10 and a year old, and they don't have social media or a phone yet or anything, but um, their friends do. So they kind of are on platforms that show this YouTuber with all these followers and subscribers and and everything, and they think, wow, they're famous, but l- they're literally in their mother's basement filming them playing Minecraft or something. Mm-hmm. That ain't famous. <laughs> and, um, anyways, I just thought it was an interesting article, but back to you. Um, when you kind of started, you started in marketing um, and kind of you were doing the marketing thing. What kind of brought you from marketing into specifically working with women on thought leadership?
1: Yeah, well, you know, marketing is a really powerful tool. I think we all know that, you know, whether it's social media, variety, email, there are so many different avenues for marketing, but what dawned on me is in order to to have to use a tool, you need to be making something. And that's what I find so inspiring and exciting. It really lights me up, like the creation process. Like, what are you making? What's your body of work? what is in between your ears that if we can get it out and in a format that people can read or listen to and understand that it will actually help them lead better lives that I'm like, you can tell in my voice, like I get so excited. That's what I find so compelling. And you know, the, the phrase that we have now is thought leadership and that's kind of jargony and who knows how long that will mean what it does, but it's clear and it's useful for now. But I think greater than thought leadership is this idea that a thought leader is building her legacy. She is building a a legacy that will outlive her, that she can pass on to others, and that will make a demonstrable difference in people's lives. And I just think there's like nothing more
0: exciting than that it's so true, you know, and it is kind of jargony, like organic. Remember when we were all saying organic, everything's organic. Yes. I found organically. like organically. Um, but I think there's something interesting about the phrase thought leadership, because you're actually putting the word thought, like they didn't just Kardashian their way into the spotlight. They actually yeah. had to put some thought and strategy behind that. And I know you work specifically on helping women, not only develop, I'm sure you deal with a lot of mindset, like they don't, they have, you know, imposter syndrome and, and things like that. Um, but what it like for myself, when I started seeing myself as a thought leader, I really changed my perspective on how I can serve my community. Yes. So what characteristics would you say if someone is like dabbling with like, am I a thought leader? Could I be a thought leader? What's some of the characteristics that you kind of see in common with the women you work with?
1: That is such a great question, Carrie. And I have a couple of different answers. So one of them is that thought leadership, I think of it as a practice rather than an identity that you can sort of step into, and, and stepping into that identity is part of it. And that's where mindset comes in and experience and practice. But the key word that I just said there is practice. Like we, it, it's not something you kind of check off of a list. It's an ongoing uh, process or practice that is going to evolve as you learn and grow. And so when you think of characteristics of thought leaders, one that is really important and not very sexy is consistency. And... You know, you mentioned earlier, Carrie, like kids who want to be famous when they grow up. I think a lot of us, when we're, you know, we use social media for our businesses and the internet for different purposes, we're exposed to a lot of, you know, many celebrities within their sphere, so to speak. And we see that and we think that is what a thought leader is. A thought leader is a famous quote unquote person who has this platform that I'm recognizing that's just a tiny little part of it. And usually to get to that point, that person was so mind numbingly consistent for a long time, whether that was with their email list, their blog, their podcast, uploading gazillions of videos on YouTube or wherever. So consistency is really key. And we have to, you know, it's, it can be really challenging because it takes patience and showing up again and again. And, It's a process that has a long runway, right? Like you're not going to be recognized as a thought leader in a week from now. You're going to keep at it and keep at it and slowly it'll build. And so when you're thinking about like maybe someone listening is like, well, am I or aren't I? I don't think anybody can sort of like give you that badge. It's rather you keep at it, you don't give up even when the outcomes aren't what you hope for right away, and you keep at it, and you keep at it, and you keep evolving and developing your own thinking, and I suspect that that identity will kind of sneak up on you a little bit. Like,
0: a little while from now, you'll look around and realize, oh, yeah, I definitely am a thought leader. Yeah, for sure. I definitely have found that what can kind of block women from you know, really, really pushing themselves to be the the leaders they want to be is what exactly what you were saying, consistency, because you kind of feel like a broken record, right? Yeah. Like I've, I've told them I've emailed them, but I kind of think of it as like going to the gym. Like I don't go to the gym once and expect to leave with the six pack abs. Right. 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 <laughs> I have to keep going and I have to be consistent and I have to change it up a little bit and, you know, change the exercise routine. And I think the same thing is true with your marketing. And although you may feel like a broken record to tweak it differently and to get into the position where it's okay to repeat yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing I have found that the ROI for putting content out there, consistency is like running a marathon. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very hard for it to convert right away. And, and all of the strategies you mentioned blogging, email, social media, YouTubing, what do you think is uh, the longest game to see an ROI, a return mm-hmm. on investment of all the platforms these leaders are trying to tap into? Like I can't wrap my head around TikTok. That's right. another, for another day. <laughs> what strategies do you think, how do they kind of vary in their ROI?
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of that, some of that is within your control and some of it is not right. Like, what you really the only thing you can really have control over is your input and the outcomes you can do your best to uh wend your way towards certain outcomes but you can't force them to be what you want but you can't you do have control over your input and so i think whatever medium you use the more you use it the faster your roi will come to fruition most likely you know so i have a colleague here in Phoenix, who is a um, a YouTube strategist, and just this year she started a YouTube channel. I think in the beginning of the year, and within I think six months, she built over a million subscribers. Like some really, really exponential wow. growth. And we were talking about it, and she explained that she, I think she said she uploads maybe three videos a day. Okay, which is like a crushing volume from my perspective. Yes, and like. That illustrates like, you're going to get out what you put in. And I think it's ludicrous to expect most of us to put in that much. And therefore most of us aren't going to see that fast growth that she did. So what I think is more important than kind of trying to assess, Oh, where will I get the most ROI in the shortest amount of time or whatever, whatever is to ask yourself what you like. And what, what you enjoy both in terms of creation and in terms of consumption, like if you're somebody who loves listening and that's how you learn, it, then podcasting might be a good fit for you versus if you're someone who loves reading and you learn best when you can pour over the words, then writing articles, emails, and
0: blogs might be the best fit for you. Right. And if first you're, you're someone who's a little bit of a ham, like myself, you want to be in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Yeah. You'll go live more often than not. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it is true showing up consistently via email, via Instagram, wherever it is. Um, it's just, it's just a good rule of thumb, right. For, and for any business owner, you know, you don't want, I have a thousand followers and they're like, okay, why aren't they knocking down my door? Yeah. That doesn't mean anything. Um, right. so, um, I think that's great. So when, how does a woman know, she's ready to work with you. She's like on the cusp. She's like, okay, I'm kind of getting asked a lot to be on podcasts. Mm-hmm. I don't really have any, anything other in place other than my website. What do they kind of need to have in place before they're like, I'm ready to work with Eva?
1: I think the what's really important is to have a couple, at least a couple of years under your belt of being a business owner and serving your clients. Because, you know, a lot of us, when we start out, Everywhere you look on the internet and you see free marketing advice, it always tells you to pick a niche, pick a niche, pick a niche, pick a niche. And that is good advice, but that advice normally comes without any context. And the truth is that when most of us start our businesses, quote unquote, picking a niche seems completely arbitrary and nonsensical because we haven't practiced very much. We haven't tried out serving different people. We haven't had like built the experience to know what the best fit niche for us is, And the other thing that happens is often our niches evolve over time. You know, the exact kind of client you tend to serve might grow and change as you do. So what I I think is important when you are building a thought leadership platform and investing in that part of your development and your business is to have more than a beginner's sense of clarity on, this is what I do, this is who I do it for, this is how I do it, and now I'm ready to seek support to get that out from between my ears and onto paper, onto a podcast,
0: et cetera. Gotcha. That's, that's interesting. Um, I think there are a few women that, you know, kind of make the transition, whether it be from corporate world um, or from college or from one entrepreneurial endeavor to another, they kind of make that transition, but they don't put that into context, right? They're like, I'm ready to be I'm ready to be on the stage with Oprah. Why isn't she knocking <laughs> on my door? Right. Why hasn't the <laughs> river called and asked me to be at their conference? Um, right. um but it you do kind of need to have take a take a beat, mm-hmm. figure out your niche. I think that's great advice. And then we can work from there, right? Mm-hmm. Um when you're working with uh your clients, what's some of the pain points they're feeling that they've when they find you, they're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> You're helping solve yeah. help What are they feeling pain-wise that you help solve? Yeah, there's a couple different things. A big one is
1: decision fatigue. Oh, and I I think a lot of us experience or suffer from that in different ways. But when it comes to thought leadership, decision fatigue feels something like. I have so many good ideas. I don't know which one to pursue. Should I say it this way or should I say it that way? What about this segment of my audience? I don't want to leave them out. How do I reach these kinds of people? Is this the best way? There's just a lot of uh, like questions that you're assessing how exactly to go through the process of practicing thought leadership. And it makes such a difference to have to not only be alone in your own head for that you know that's where the the decision fatigue comes in is you're like just spinning in your mind. And so having a thought leadership partner, a strategist and advisor like myself is like, you know, your comrade in arms to make all of these decisions and to assess the right way forward. So that's a really big one and I think people feel that with marketing too and marketing your thought leadership is is part of the practice because nobody owes you their attention and so you need to let them know and reach out to them about what you're producing rather than just sort of like sit at your desk and wait for them to like you. So decision fatigue is a big one. Another one is focus and clarity. Mm. So I call this, it's like the curse of knowledge when you know what you know so well that it, it can feel awkward and kind of confusing to try to articulate it to others because you just get it so deeply that you forget what it feels like to be a beginner and to need some handholding to understand the concepts that are so familiar to you. And so helping my clients find language to really express what they know in a way that other people can easily understand and to really focus on a specific topic. Sometimes we get, if so something I say is like, if you're having a hard time writing, say writing is your medium, writing your article or your piece of thought leadership because it might be because your idea is too big and you need to Uh, narrow it down and focus it. mm -hmm. And because they know so much, they just, everything makes them think of everything else. And so helping them to really focus in on a more narrow topic is another work
0: that we do together. That's incredible. Um, Yes, don't be broad, broad. See what I did there? (laughs) (laughs) You got to really hone in on that. Um, do, Do you find that you know, when you're developing a speaker platform and you're, you want to get yourself out there. Um, I read one of your blogs and it talked about how you can be too authentic with your audience. Mm. And I thought this was really, really compelling. Everybody go find this blog on your website. It's brilliant. Um, can women be overly authentic? (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I published that article and and a good
1: friend of mine who is a like She's, uh, her background is in acting and she helps women with their, like discovering their voice. So kind of, kind of similar to what I do, but more in like a speaking being on stage type of way. And she pointed out that it's not so much that women can be too authentic, but that authenticity and vulnerability are often conflated. Uh Ah, and it's definitely possible to be inappropriately vulnerable. I would argue The other thing about authenticity is that it's very contextual. So like me being authentic with you, Carrie, is different from me being authentic with like the mail carrier or one of my parents or a client. Like we have the authenticity. So the way that I define authenticity is being your bestest, rightest self, depending on the context that you're in. So it's going to, so it's not like there's one way to be authentic in every relationship. It's going to be a little bit different in every situation, but it's about this, this grounded feeling in yourself. And part of that is boundaries and not being overly forthcoming or vulnerable in certain situations. And what prompted me to write this article about whether or not women can be too authentic in our thought leadership is it's very trendy in online marketing to kind of, to tell like the rags to riches stories, the, like I was crying on the floor of the bathroom and then I did this and everything's better now story, or to be, to be very vulnerable and that yes. can work really well for some leaders and some brands. But I think what can happen. And I wrote about in the article is we do this, we kind of do some vulnerability matching where we're like, Oh, I see her confiding this thing in her audience. That must mean that I also need to confide that kind of thing in my audience, but it doesn't mean that. And that's where I think sometimes women get stuck feeling like they're not being authentic enough or vulnerable enough. And how do you decide? And that's, I think that it's such a, tr- authenticity is so freaking trendy and it's that it can be very confusing to determine like what that means and what's appropriate for different situations.
0: I completely agree. Especially, I think that's true with marketing, right? You, mm-hmm. you can't do the same marketing, you know voice, I think on all platforms, right? Like how I show up on LinkedIn is not how I show up on Twitter, right? Twitter. I'm going to talk about politics. I might, you know, share a crazy meme, um, or LinkedIn. I feel like I'm at the grownups table. (laughs) Okay. These are like my parents, friends. I want to be viewed as a professional, uh, business owner who has this community, you know, Um, and then how I show up on Instagram, of course, is going to be very visual. So that I feel like is more of a storyteller. Um, but I do feel that you're absolutely correct—that authenticity. You c- women tend to mirror vulnerability, right? Right. And they see that, that that kind of language, like "oh, I got to hustle," or "I got to, you know. It's all about girl power and all right. of this. And it's really, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, how about we just talk about how you're going to solve my problem and why I want to hire you. (laughs) Um, I, so I think that you can be, if you want to be really authentic and really vulnerable, write a blog, you know, share a blog, um, go on a, a podcast that maybe features those experiences. I don't know. I just thought it was a really good article that, um, you wrote. And I was like, it's so true. I do see like a lot of women showing up a little bit too vulnerable that it makes me uncomfortable. Like when I'm on LinkedIn and hearing and hearing your why it's very, I feel like, Oh wow. And then I feel obligated. Like, should I say something or should that's I just- the thing? Yeah. Like it puts, and you know, it comes down to a matter of taste.
1: Like it's not like there's rules about authenticity or vulnerability in marketing or in thought leadership. It really comes down to what your preferences in terms of yourself and also the kind of, audience that you want to build and the kind of relationship you want to have with them. But you're so right, Carrie, just about like mirroring. And it makes sense that we would mirror, like we're social creatures. And like, that's the way our nervous system has evolved to work. And it makes, it's not like it's bad to be able to mirror what other people and how they're communicating, but it's, I think because we're exposed to so much on social media, especially it's, I mean, it's effortless to play the compare and despair game. And what's important to stand in your own kind of grounded thought leadership self is to be aware when you're feeling like you're supposed to mirror somebody and stepping back into yourself and being like, no, no,
0: that's how she does it. And I do it my way. Yes. And I know comparison is the thief of joy, right? There are, I have the bra community. There are so many other communities, but I completely am okay. If somebody sees my website and they're like, that's not my jam. Um, right. I'm okay with that. You know, you got to get the cheekiness behind the brand. <laughs> right. um, yeah. It's like, it's, it's just very clear. <laughs>
1: um, and that's a good thing because then people who aren't a good fit for bra will go away. And no hard feelings on either side. And people who are really drawn to that, like quirky, cheery humor will be drawn in and will have a great experience. And that's marketing and thought leadership at its most effective.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you. That's brilliant. Um, So tell me about your course. It's called the five pillars of magnetic thought leadership. Um, Tell me about this. How do we learn about it? How do we get in? How do we enroll? What are all the things? Yeah. So studies have shown that the most appealing
1: and magnetic, that's why I use that word, thought leadership exhibits these five qualities. And so I was so taken in by this research that I decided to design a course about these five pillars. So I'll tell you what they are. They are unique. uh, What's the other one? Futuristic, trustworthy, relevant, and concise. Wow. You have to sign up for the course to learn more about them, but these five things, and I go into a lot of detail about like what they are and how to start adding them to your thought leadership and examples of thought leadership that does these really well. And yeah, it's a free course. It's not very many emails. It's not long. Cause I found when I'm part of long email courses, I just lose my, like my attention span just goes out the window for them. So it's very short. And you can get it at five magnetic com. That's number five, and the rest
0: is spelled out. Love that. Um, I'm definitely joining that. I'm um, I, I, listening to your five. I was like, yes, yeah. Oh, that la- that third one. I'm not doing that well enough. <laughs> um, and especially futuristic. I got to really th- think about that one. But I'll learn more about that with um, once I take your course. Now, tell me what you have on the horizon. What is what is going on with you? Have your course. What are you looking ahead to 2021 vacation, resting? What's, what's your, what's your plans? Yeah. Well, it's, it's been so funny
1: heading into a new year and not being able to make any travel plans. Like that feels very weird. Yeah, it does. Man. Yeah, Like normally I would sort of plan out my year, like thinking about certain trips that I want to take. So I'm not doing that, but (laughs) I am looking forward to, Uh, launching a, uh, I guess it's going to be basically a group intensive for thought leadership strategy and advisory. So I wouldn't call it like, it's not a course and it's not really a group program. It's more like a small group intensive for folks who want to like learn how to fish and do thought leadership really effectively themselves. So I'm excited about that and kind of like a mastermind then, right? I I guess it's going to be really short. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I haven't, I mean, clearly I haven't quite figured out all the details, but I'm thinking like maybe six ish weeks, but something that's short. And like, I just want people to go really deep and have a lot of opportunities to practice the thought leadership and get feedback from me and talk about some of the challenges they're having in a small group setting, because I mean, gosh, especially in the year of COVID, I know I was invited to like 80,000 zoom things. And a lot of them had so many attendees that it felt basically impossible to build any community. Yeah. And that's, you know, the reason like you and I met in one of my small group roundtable discussions. And that's that's one of the reasons I've enjoyed that so much is because they're just, it's just five, four or five women. And I find that I get the most joy out of facilitating really small communities. So I'm Mm -hmm. thinking that's probably what I'm most excited about for 2021 on the business front is building that, testing it out, you know, doing a beta run and then trying to enroll folks uh, for the rest of the year.
0: That sounds really fantastic. Sign me up. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> um, okay, so before we wrap up, first I' gonna we're gonna get carried away on some questions, but yes. tell me all the places we can find you. Uh, where can we follow you? Where can we get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, so the best place I uh, I practice what I call social media monogamy, and so I only use LinkedIn. I don't use any other social media network, and so that is the best place to find me. And I'm the only Eva Janata with two N's and two T's and an A at the end on the entire network. I'm pretty sure, so it's easy to find me. And, uh, when you do just send me a connection request and let me know that you heard me on Carrie's podcast, cause I'd love to, to get to know you. Yeah. I love that. Um, I love that you're social media
0: monogamous. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I love that. So let's get carried away during this time of quarantine and COVID and all the things, how have you during shelter in place, kept yourself entertained? any podcasts, music books you're reading? What, what have you been doing?
1: I am a voracious reader. And so anyone who's listening, if you are a romance novel and or fantasy novel fan, come at me for book recs, because those are the two genres that I read pretty much the whole time only. And I especially love, um, romance novels and historic and sorry, fantasy novels that feature female protagonists and are written by women. So I have just so many recommendations on that front. I like have researched the heck out of this genre. So come at me for recommendations.
0: I love that. Do you like
1: Kristen Hanna?
0: How have I not heard of that person? Kristen Hanna is brilliant. Um, oh I think her most famous book is probably The Nightingale. Um, and it just got picked up by Reese Witherspoon, I think, to yeah, I think it's Reese. It's one of those, or maybe it's that Dakota Fanning. One of them are optioning it for a movie, but Kristen wow. has like 20 books, um, always female protagonists and um, they're always overcoming something. There's a romance element, but they're really well-written. And I mean, I can, I've probably read like four or five of her books. That and Diane Chamberlain, I like her too.
1: Wow, <laughs>
0: I'm so glad we're talking about this. Yeah. Highly recommend Kristen Hanna books. They're so good. And I think it's K I not K Y uh, Kristen K R Y. Sorry. Okay, good. I yeah. just wrote, wrote it down in um, my notes. N- well then start with the nightingale. Highly okay. recommend that's historical fiction. It's very cool. It's v- I'm not going to spoil it for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. What now we were talking about, we always have travel plans as we're getting ready for a new year. Now that we're not traveling, where have you gone that you just loved and got carried away about? Definitely Italy. Oh, And there are a couple of reasons for that.
1: One is that I love ancient history. And so just, I mean, Italy is just lousy with ruins. And so there's like,
0: Anywhere ruins on grab, top like,
1: of ruins. <laughs> Look at that ancient wall. It's just sitting there. Like that was really fun. And then the other thing that got me carried away in Italy is I went, I traveled there with my cousin and we were actually able to go to the village. Where our great grandfather was born and, and meet some extended family there. Wow. It was totally, uh, never expected that to happen. And that was incredibly meaningful.
0: That's cool. I think my, when I was in Rome, I loved the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. That was one of I just couldn't believe how massive it was, and like everything's old in Rome. <laughs> I know. It's You're like, what loud. is happening? It's so. Oh, I love Italy too. We were actually supposed to go this past June. Oh, oh man, yeah. Alas, um, it's so funny too because in April we were like, maybe things will clear up. We won't yeah. cancel our trip yet. Joke's on us. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) My last question always is three things that, you know, people are totally obsessed with, get totally carried away about, but you can't wrap your head around. For example, I can't wrap my head around ever taking a cruise, even prior to COVID. Being Mm -hmm. on a cruise, isolated out in the middle of the ocean terrifies me. That and tomatoes. I cannot, I can't (laughs) stand a tomato.
1: I used to hate tomatoes, but now I really like them and I do get carried away by tomatoes. So I, I, I turned around on that one, Carrie, but for me, it's watching competitive sports. Oh, yeah. I don't care.
0: Uh,
1: another one is television. Okay. Especially like I, I, and I have watched, like I watched Mad Men. I've watched the office. Like I have watched television series in their, in their entirety, But I'm just never, especially these days for some reason, drawn to watching TV. Like, unless it's like a nonfiction, like home decorating show or something. But like (laughs) reality TVs, like get me the hell away from it. And like just like comedy series, dramas, I just I just don't wanna I don't wanna do it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do it. And then I would say the third one is Instagram. Okay. (laughs) I try, I've tried pretty hard to like Instagram and I just don't really enjoy the way it it makes me feel. And, um, so I took it off my phone and, uh, I've missed it a few times, like certain people who I really enjoyed following because they had really fun or funny content, but it's been really good for my brain. I think to not be able to like go in on the phone and like distract myself there because yeah, it wasn't making me feel very good.
0: Yeah. I, fa- I, I'm kind of ready to break up with Facebook, to be honest. Yeah. I'm only there for groups. Yep. and And it's just, uh, especially with the last election and everything and ev- all the stuff that's going on in the world. I just, I just, I'm really over it. <laughs> you
1: know, it's exactly like that noise that you made. Ugh. Like that's yeah. exactly. It's like kind of that heavy, like weighed down feeling. I totally relate to that.
0: Yeah, I do too. Uh, Well, thank you so much for getting carried away. Um, I'm going to put in the show notes, everything about your course, how to find you on LinkedIn with the correct spelling um, (laughs) things. And um, yeah, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Carrie. This was fun.
0: I hope you learned something new. Now, if you are a female founder, thought leader, disruptor, and you're like, I can't be on that show, then you need to email me with some topics. Email me directly, Carrie at bra-network.com or send me a DM on the IG at bra underscore network. I'm always looking for fabulous, fierce females to feature. And hey, if you're a guy, I'll feature you too, because we all have knowledge to share. Until then, thank you for getting carried away. Go ahead and like and subscribe to all the things and all the places. Until next time, have a great day. Stay safe where I'm at.